0: Let's get into the word today. Let's get into the word of God today. All right. We are at week two of a four-week series. Uh, The series is called The Vow. We are at week two of a four-week series called The Vow. And uh, today's message is The Vow of Pursuit. The vow of pursuit. I'm pretty excited about this message. I think it's a, it's a really good word and I'm uh, pretty excited about moving forward with all of this. Before I go another inch further, I want to welcome everybody to Word of Life today. Thank you for coming. It's great to have you here and in particular those of you who are here for the very first time, maybe second or third time. It means a lot to us. I can say that every week because I really mean it and this is how it really is here. We really mean it when we love the idea of you checking out this church. Maybe today you're here. For your first time, and you, you don't even know what you think about God. You don't know what you think about Jesus. You don't know what you think about the Bible. You don't know what you think about the church, but you chose to come anyhow. And that, number one, you've got guts. And number two, we love that. We love the fact that you would do that. So we welcome you today. We're glad that you're here with us. We are, we are dealing with a uh, marriage and family relationship kind of series that we're, we're dealing with here for these four weeks. And uh, quite frankly, Um, I love, I I really enjoy speaking uh, on this this particular topic. It's something that that refreshes me. I'm excited about it. Man, I'm a big-time believer in family and marriage. I'm a big-time believer in that. So this is rather uh, fun for me to be able to do. Um, So when I speak on marriage and family, I... I like to have fun with it. I like to do some things that are a little bit different. I don't mind being low-key with some of these things. I, I think we need to cover some important points. We're going to do a couple of those today. And we will be doing one full weekend, one full service, dealing with sex. So you won't want to miss that. That will be rated PG-13. So if you have anybody younger than that, you may want to send them over to Life Kids or Life Youth so that nobody will be offended or hurt or upset about anything. So we will be doing that. And we will let you know exactly when we're going to do that. With this series, my goal and my prayer is is that God would help those of you who are not married, but you hope to, but you hope to someday, and that God would do a work in your heart to give you the tools to be prepared to have a marriage that truly honors God, and secondly, that is everything that you want it to be. Whoever it is that you end up marrying, I'm trusting, I'm believing that God has a plan for you, and whoever you marry, that it would be God's plan, it would be something, your marriage would be something that you have always deserved as well. Um, and for those of us who are married here today, I believe that this message and God's word itself, as we dig into that a little bit today, uh, God's word is going to strengthen you. It's going to empower you. It's going to encourage you. It's going to give you hope. I believe it's going to give you hope today and tools that you will have in your marriage so that, again, your your marriage will be a blessing to you. Those of you who are married, it will be a blessing to you as well as well as to some coming generations that are down the road, future generations that are coming down the road. We have a a little video that we want to show you of another one of our team here that wants to help us understand a little bit more about marriage in, uh, in here at Word of Life. Go ahead with that next video. Come on, let's give him a round of applause. Can you do that for me, please? Now, what I'm going to tell you is 100% true. It is 110% true. I promise you this. And some of you have already heard this story, but it's true. I tell you. On our official first date ever, ever, Marianne kissed me first. I don't care what she says. This is the truth. She kissed me first. Now listen, let, let, me, let me just gain some ground back from some of the men. Um, all, although I wanted really, really, really bad to kiss her, I decided to be a gentleman. And I wasn't going to pursue her that way. I wasn't just going to jump in and have a lip lock together with someone who I knew, but you know, weren't that close to. So it is a hundred percent true that Marianne kissed me first while I was being a perfect gentleman. Yes, so I opened that up as, as our opening thought to this message today because we need to understand the, the big principle, and that is by nature, we pursue what we don't have. That, this is across the board. This is for everybody. By nature, we pursue for what we don't have, and that's exactly what Marianne did. Well, needless to say, after that first kiss, when she did kiss me, and it was a great one, I mean, I was standing over here like this. She was in the girl's bathroom and standing outside the door. And she came out of that bathroom, and she couldn't help herself. She just couldn't help herself. And she kissed me. Now, you need to know that at this point, Marianne, we, we went to school together. She's my high school sweetheart. We've been married 45 years, but uh, we, we were in school together, and we were good friends, but we weren't, we weren't boyfriend and girlfriend. I mean, we knew each other. We knew, we knew each other's former boyfriends and girlfriends. I mean, we, we went to school together, all of that stuff. And now this particular night, she, she blew my socks off. I mean, she walked up to me, and she kissed me first, and needless to say, I fell in love. I mean, this is how it happens, right? All you need is about a second or two to decide if you've fallen in love or not. And I fell in love. I fell in love with her in a way that like I never thought. And, uh, and uh, so consequently, um, from that point on, I began to pursue her. From that point on, my whole life changed. She's going to be my girl. She's going to be my wife. And I'm going to live with her and love her for the rest of my life. The pursuit... Was on Now, maybe you've had some similar experiences. Probably you have. However, you've ended up with who you have as husband or wife, more than likely you've had some kind of an experience that put the two of you together that way. Uh, we, but we, honestly, we do tend to pursue whatever it is that we don't have. But my question to you is, even though we tend to pursue what we don't have, my question is, what happens years later when you wake up one day and you don't feel the love? You don't feel the love. What happens when it hits you between the eyes with thoughts like this? Where did the intimacy go? Uh, where, Where did the adventure go? Where did the romance go? Because the truth is, somewhere along the way, you got your priorities all out of whack and the both of you stopped pursuing one another. It ended. I'm not saying the marriage is over, I'm just saying you're not pursuing one another. There are some of you right now, as I say these words, you're getting a little bit convicted on the inside, and I hope that she's not doing this or he's not doing that. But the fact of the matter is, you and I, you would stop pursuing one another. A rather simple question that I have to you, let's just be reasonable here for a moment. Is there any area in your life, any area in your life that you can be lazy, uninvolved, you can be disconnected, and not suffer loss? It's impossible. If you end up being lazy, if you end up being uninvolved, if you end up being disconnected in any area of life, take it your job, take it your family, whoever, whatever it may be, there's going to be loss. There's going to be loss. And that's exactly what happens in marriage. I I heard Chris Hodges say these words often. I heard him say this a few times. He says, in your marriage, in your marriage, if the grass looks greener somewhere else, it's time to water your own lawn. If the grass looks greener somewhere else, it's time to water your own lawn. We are in a message series called The Vow. We're going to be dealing with four different vows, and we're going to do the best that we can to live out these vows because we believe it will help us as we move together in our marriage that God is going to be truly blessed and honored by our marriage, and we ourselves are going to end up being wonderfully, happily married last week last week was vow number one that we talked about vow number one the promise was this I promise that God will be my first priority and my spouse will be my second let's keep that up again let's say it all together say this with me I promise that God will be my number one priority and my spouse will be number two that she will be my number two Um, I just lost where I'm at So here it is, okay, sorry. So why? Why? Why would, why would we want something like that? Because as a believer, just so you know, as a believer and followers of God, we believe God is our number one. We believe that he is our number one. In other words, we put God first in everything. That's the call of God. That's what we should be doing. We don't always do that, but we try to do that. That's some of our goal, that we would, we would always try to put God first in everything. God is our number one. So we put God first in all that we do, and our spouse ends up being our number two. We talked about this last week. If you want to know more about this, go back to the, uh, go to our website and go to our podcast and listen to last week's message. It would make more sense to you then. So we put God first in all that we do, and our spouse is our number two. The second vow, the second vow that we're going to deal with today is that I, I promise to always pursue My two. I promise to always pursue my two. God is our number one. Our spouse is our number two. Last week, we used Genesis chapter 24, uh, Genesis chapter 2, verse 24, and we're going to use that very same verse again today because it's still pertinent to where we are and what we're doing with this message, and it says in Genesis 2, 24, it says these words here. It says, This is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife and they become one flesh is what the Bible says. The word man there, when it talks about the man would leave, it's not just dealing with the male, it is dealing with mankind. It is dealing with both male and female because we both have to leave mom and dad or whoever those relationships would be in order to to enter into marriage. So typically, but not always, but typically, the parent-child relationship ends up being the most intimate relationship outside of marriage. You know, it begins with a mother a father parent kind of relationship, there's an intimacy there between you, but then God says when the time comes when a man will, will cling to his wife, the two become one, he says it all changes. The priorities change at that particular time. Now he, he is fully devoted to his wife instead of his mother or father, or she is devoted to her husband rather than mother or father. So a man or a woman will leave their father and mother, and they are to reprioritize their relationships. So... God now becomes our number one. Your spouse is your number two, and we are united, the Bible says, as husband and wife. I want to talk about that word united just for a moment. The root word, the root word in Hebrew language um, that is translated in, Unita, in united is the word "debach." You got to say it like that, dabach. I think I'm emphasizing the kh, but it's dabach is what it is. That word debach. That word debach, it means to cling or to adhere. Debach also means, it means to catch by pursuit. We're talking about pursuing one another. So it's talking about uh, to to catch by pursuit, or it also means to pursue hard with an affection and with devotion. In other words, the two were united because of debach, because of debach. Now, honestly, There are three different ways that you can we can dig down a little bit deeper with this Hebrew word, debak, how it's translated. I want to give you three different scriptures. They're not in your your notes at all. Just believe me with what I'm going to be giving you here that is is in the word of God. The the Hebrew language is really beautiful. It's a real beautiful language, and it helps us to understand a little bit deeper about this whole thing. And it says here in in Psalm 63, debak is defined here in Psalm 63, verse 8, it's said like this, I follow close behind you. That's debach. Bach. In John chapter, in Job chapter 41, verse 17, they joined fast to one another. That's the uh, Bach again. And then in Judges verse 20, verse 45, it says these words, and they pursued hard after them. That's the Bach. That's c- coming and chasing after. That's pursuing after the one that you love, and you would become united. You would become the is what it is. We are called by God to debauch our spouse, to pursue hard after one another. And therefore the two of you become one flesh. You become one. Once you stop debak, you're no longer one that way. It's different. It's not the same. It's different. There's really this beautiful story in the Old Testament I want to share with you very quickly. Probably a lot of you who have known God for any length of time and been in the Bible, you remember this story. But let me just share with you a little bit about this story. Uh, and it's about Jacob who was chasing after his bride, which would be Rachel. The debacle that was involved with all of that. It's really a pretty incredible story. And there's a couple of funny points that I need to share with you that found in the Word of God. So let me get right into it. There were these two sisters by the name of Leah. Leah, she is the oldest of the two sisters, and her sister's name is Rebecca. And Rebecca, of course, is the younger. And the Bible says very literally, literally here, listen to this, listen. It says this, it says that Rachel had a lovely figure and she was beautiful. That's what it said. The Bible says that. And then it talks about Leah. Yeah. And Leah. I mean, Rachel, she's beautiful. She's got a beautiful figure. She's a beautiful lady. But then there's Leah. And here's what the Bible has to say about Leah. And she has weak eyes. Not a beautiful figure. I, I'm sure she's beautiful. Who knows? But she has, she has an eye issue. She has weak eyes is what the Bible says. And of course, in the Hebrew, that would simply mean to all of us, we can interpret that as uh, she had a great personality yeah, she had a great personality. How cruel is all of that? Rachel is lovely in form and figure, figure, and uh, Leah, she wears glasses, is basically all that they would say about that. And uh, But Jacob loved the younger sister. He really did. He wanted her, he wanted Rachel, He made the declaration the first day that he saw her. He said, I want to marry her. I want this one to be my wife. And in fact, in in Genesis chapter 29, don't look for it. It's not in your notes. Uh, In Genesis 29, it says these words that Jacob kissed Rachel and he wept aloud. He kissed her and he wept aloud. He wanted her. Jacob said, I don't care what it's going to take. I want her. I want her to be mine. I don't care what it's going to take. Finally, the father of these two young ladies, his name is Laban. And Laban says to Jacob, he says, fine, if you want her, you're going to have to work seven years for me in order to get her. And the imagery again, the imagery with, with the with the Hebrew language is just so beautiful it's like it's constantly going deeper into the story. It's really really special and he says if you want, if you want to marry her you're going to have to work for me for the next seven years and, jo- uh, and uh, uh, so Jacob does exactly that he does exactly what he was supposed to do and the time for him, the Bible says it passed quickly because he was just so excited and so ready to be with Rachel for the rest of his life he was he was excited about all all of that. So uh, some of you know the story. And the story goes on that he completes the seven years. And then all of a sudden, Laban, the father, p- pulls a switcheroo on all of this. So the wedding, you know, the, 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 the bride is covered and all of these things. And they even go to their honeymoon that way. And, and the next morning when Jacob wakes up after the full year, fully expecting Rachel, it was Leah who was there. And I can hear Jacob right now screaming out, Why, wait a minute. Well, I, I didn't want the one with a good personality. I, I wanted Rachel. I wanted Rachel above it all. And Laban looked at him and says, well, our culture says that we have to we have, to have the, the oldest, the first child to go before the second would go. And so, and he says, and if you want Rachel, you're going to have to give me another seven years. And uh, many of us know the story. And really what happened was, is that Jacob ended up marrying Leah. That happened. There were seven days of the wedding, of of the, the whole wedding ceremony lasted seven days. It got married. And then all of a sudden, the father says, now you can have Rachel. And you can have her first and then work for her afterwards. And one more time, the Bible tells us that Jacob worked gladly to receive Rachel. He, was, he, he loved her so much. He wanted her so badly. Even though he had already received her, received this gift of, of this woman in marriage, they're already married now and he starts his next seven years and he continued to pursue his number two. In so many ways, that's the heart of what I believe that God wants us to do in each and every one of our marriages. That God wants us to continue to work for our number two. After we, already have, after we already have them, it doesn't stop. We are to continue to move forward. They were united and they became one flesh, is what the Bible says. And I will, uh, and the statement behind that, of course, is that I will always pursue my number two, no matter what, no matter what. I don't want a show of hands, but how many of you are still pursuing your number two? Or has it stopped for you? Let me talk to those of you who are not married yet. Let me just give you a quick little ad- advice here. If you're dating someone right now and, uh, and, and there is uh, not a mutual per- uh, pursuit that's taking place, my suggestion to you is, is that maybe you might wanna reevaluate this relationship that you're in. Um, you might wanna re-eval- reevaluate this relationship because um, as I said earlier in the message, we tend to work for what we don't have. So let me go with a, a little bit deeper with the ladies first if he's not doing anything that looks like a date with you, if, if he's not ever dressing himself up and spending some special times with you, if he's never buying you certain gifts and certain things, being, again, very special to you, listen, ladies, you're worth, you're worth pursuing. I, I, don't, I don't know who you are. I don't know who may be doing this today, who may be looking for another, but you're worth pursuing, Whoever that person is that would come into your life, they should be pursuing you. And if he's not buying you something special, in my opinion, ladies, this is your pastor just talking to you. I don't know anything. I've only been married 45 years. I mean, anyhow, anyhow, ladies, if, if he's not doing something special for you, ladies, he's telling you, you're not the one. You're not the one. And since I'm talking to the ladies, I also want to encourage you to do something special for your man. If, if you're not writing him love letters, if you're not every now and then doing something special for him, if you're not saying words like this, I love you, baby, or, or you're so cute, you're so strong, you mean everything to me, if you're not doing any of that, if you're not doing what needs to be done to show someone that, that you have an interest in them, then I want to say to you both ladies and men, because the same thing is with the men. If you're not doing what needs to be done, then I would sit back and I would say to you, understand this, please. When you get married, the pursuit usually doesn't go up. It goes down. And if you're not married yet and you're pursuing one or you're not pursuing one another, it's not going to change once you get married. Don't you dare think that it's going to happen once you get married because it doesn't. It usually goes down. It usually becomes more difficult as we go on. So I say again to both the men and the women, you are worth the pursuit. So let's be practical here just for one more minute. This never happens. It never happens this way. You see, I I, I believe that there's a work that needs to be done and sometimes it's hard work. And sometimes it's really difficult as we move forward, as we're pursuing one another. But this almost never happens. Nobody gets married and thinks these thoughts, that I wanna have a bad marriage rather than a good marriage. I'm hoping that in 3 years our marriage is going to fall apart and our marriage becomes a complete disaster. No one would ever say words like that. No one would ever think thoughts like that. But we have we we have good intentions and we really do love each other. But life just seems to wear us down. Every one of us have experienced this in one way or another. So often we get tired, we get worn out, we get overwhelmed. We want to show that that person that we love them. We want them to feel that love from us but Honestly, there comes those points in our lives where we just don't do it. We don't do it. She's saying something, he's saying something, and yet we're not doing what we should be doing. So what I want to do quickly here, I want to conclude this message. I'm going to have to conclude it early because we are running out of time. I want to conclude this message with, with, with uh, um, three simple principles of closing the gap. And the gap that I'm talking about are the intentions and our actions. We have an intention to do something, but our actions doesn't make it happen. So I want to talk about this very quickly. So I will be really quick with this one point, and I will do the other points at another time. So there's three principles here. Principle number one is that when you think something good to say, say it. When you think something good to say, you say it. Every time you have a thought that comes into your mind, if we could have the worship team come on out at this time, it's probably the best time. Um, if, there's, if there's ever a time that you think of something good to say about your spouse, say it. Say it. Why would you ever want to rob your husband or your wife of something good that you would want to say to them? Why would you not do that? So you need to say that. In Hebrews chapter, uh, Hebrews chapter 3, it says these words in verse 13. It says, but encourage one another day after day as long as it is still called today. Do that uh, so that none of you would be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. If you want to make sure that there's no deceitfulness of sin within your life, what we're we're called by God to do is that you and I are to encourage one another daily. Every day we should be saying something like this to one another. We should be talking to, every time you think of something good, say it. I do that with Marianne a lot, and, and this is my story. I'm up here speaking today. If you were up here, you could tell your story, but this is my story. I do that a lot with Marianne. I love her. I love her with everything within me. She is my number two, and she at many times is my number one. But she is my number two. So I will say things to her often like this. You're just so beautiful today. Where did I find you? Did it hurt? When you left heaven to come down to earth to me, did it hurt when you got here? (laughs) I've said this a lot to her. You know what I promised on November 16th, 1973? I'm gonna fulfill that. I'm going all the way to the end. The only way this marriage ends is if I go out in a casket or she goes out in a casket because we said, till death do us part. And that's just the way it is between her and I. Gentlemen, when you pursue her with words, pursue her with words of affection. Let it be words of affection. Let her know what she means to you to the wives let your husband know what he means to you use words of affection heavenly father as we go into this message we conclude early but god i i I just pray that the little bit that has been said that maybe we would walk out of here thinking about this just a little bit more that am i really pursuing him Am I really pursuing her any longer? Is it over? Am I, am I done pursuing? God, I pray that you would help every husband and every wife to pursue as never before. And I pray that the response would be life-giving, that it would be overwhelming. So I give that to you today, and I believe you for it in Jesus' name. Would you all stand with me to your feet? Sorry we're ending this quickly, but time has gotten away. And we want to end on time. And everybody said... Amen. If I could have our intercessors come down, we're going to have them available to pray. We're going to sing one last closing song. Please don't leave yet. We're going to conclude our services here in just a moment, but if you would just sing along with us, that would be great. If you like prayer for anything at all, they're down here to pray with you. Go ahead, Luke.